Hello, hello, welcome along. So today we're going on our ancient civilization tour. Ooh. So gathering, have we got everybody? Yeah, we're all in. Just check, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, I'm all, I just got on, yeah. I just got on. Right, just, if every, anybody gets lost, just follow my umbrella. Big pink one, see? Yeah, we're going to the umbrella. Good, good, right, right. Okay. Now, in ancient times, many people were very invested in these things called podcasts. They were believed to be some sort of uh, news uh, distribution and also another form of entertainment. They, they took most of their entertainment as, as, as an audio format. So wherever they went, they could have these special devices that pumped the uh, audio into their heads and they could just listen constantly, always be updating and, and learn new knowledge and, and, and about all sorts of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, what sort of things? Well, they specifically talk about, they, they'd learn about th things that other people had been watching and listening and, and games they'd been playing and things like that. And they'd talk about social issues and, and, and there could be all sorts of podcasts, right? So, see, here we've got an example of, of one about uh, queer issues. Oh, do we know anything more about that one? Uh, there's, there was a couple of queer trans ladies, and they do all sorts of silly voices, uh, including ridiculous cold opens to their podcast. Oh, do we know what it was called? It was Queer and Pleasant Strangers. Greetings, strangers, Queer and Pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies have a bit of a natter about our weeks and a catch-up and do some silly voices and skits and just try and have a bit of a pleasant giggly catch-up. A queer and pleasant giggly catch-up. Indeed. How are you doing this week, Jane? I'm alright. How are you? Oh, very much appreciating that three-day weekend. Mm -hmm. It was... Needed. I got through Sunday and was like, oh, I, I feel like I need weekends still. To be fair, we did lots of strategizing. Oh, we'll yes, we did. We'll bit. get to that in a bit. But <laughs> it's it's been nice having a few long weekends in a row because it doesn't feel like it was long ago at all. <sighs> we had that four day weekend. Mm -hmm. We had that three day weekend. We got another three day weekend at the end of this month. Yeah, I know. All the bank holidays squeezed in really quick. If only we had like Italian style bank holidays, I think they get 11. If, if we only on, get six. If, if only like companies realised that their workers were happier and more productive when you know they they had like closer more to a fifty time. fifty work life balance. You yeah. know, three day weekend, four day work is still you know mostly work, but it's a better balance. Yeah, and people feel much happier. Yeah. On, on the subject of things getting better and better, and and hopefully realising that a better work life balance is important. Did you hear about the the proposal of a a hundred pound a week? Like, basic income. Yeah. Universal basic income, it's please. The, it's the beginning. Uh, every country that has tried it has gone, yep, this is universally not only made people happier and, and things, but it's like, it's it's been cheaper in the long run for the government because, like, people find it much easier to be stable and then have to rely less on requiring help from the government that gets more expensive. Yeah. 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 You exactly. give them a flat amount and everyone's like, Oh yeah, worst case scenario, I can survive. And what you do on, on top of that is you build enough social housing that people can actually afford to live on that amount. Exactly. Because I've seen people going, well, £100 a week, that's not going to get very far, you know, especially when bills, um, someone's saying their bills personally come to like £350 uh, a month. Well, still, that's it, a good start. Plus, some thing. of them are five-week months. Um, well, here's the thing. If everyone gets that, at the very least, and it's not much, but it would mean that, like, first place when I moved out, and this wasn't 
too long ago, probably four or five years ago, I um I had five hundred pound a month, all bills included, for a one room studio studio place above a pub. Nice. And it you know, it wasn't it wasn't particularly big. It was all just one room. We had shared bathrooms, but it was a roof over my head and, you know, I, I, I had a stable place to live and internet and had enough money left over for food. Apart from the internet, I lived in a guest house that had a very similar situation. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, a person, like, you know, that that's a little over £400 a month, but two people could share that and go, there you go. That's living on the universal basic income, probably. Mm, I mean, I mean, I think if these ideas become more profuse, that will be good uh, it's it's nice that somebody with a bit of clout, yeah. or at, le- at least a platform to be heard in Parliament, Indeed. is bringing these things up. And, and hopefully that will be the beginnings of something good. Let's hope so. Anyway. Yes. Yeah, sh- what have we played? <laughs> um, what have we been strategising uh, with our brains sh- Should we talk about that big strategy game that we played? We spent, what, six, five, six hours we playing We spent that? about five hours learning the rules and then playing through a single game of Scythe, which is a tabletop... Forex strategy game. Yeah, sort of hex-based uh, board where everyone is basically trying to... Take over Europe. Yeah, you're in a a, a Europe post like a, a alternate reality World War One. Yes, and it's basically a bunch of European countries that all have mechs vying for control over Europe in the sort of aftermath of of a scattered war. Yes, so basically the uh, war was fought using these steam mechs. Hmm. And um, at some point, the factory from which they all came just closed its doors. So the 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 game, or the, at least the story of the game, is very much sort of around um, like getting the factory, claiming yeah. the factory, and that that is an option. Yeah. It's not some one I went for, but and, very... I, and I only came second by one point. Yeah, so. the person who won only did so because they had the factory. That definitely yes. was the points that pushed them over into victory. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, we, our friends have had this game for over a year. Yes. And it keeps being the game that we're like, yeah, not today, not today. But it's been the daunting, I, scary other, other people have said not today. I keep going, let's do it, let's learn it. It, it. I'm glad that we didn't decide to try it on the spur of the moment, that we waited until, like, a couple of us had had time to watch some videos, mm. that we sat down and made time to watch videos again before we started. Well, that was the thing. Like, I had, I, I think I've previously seen, like, a really fast run-through of it before, and I was like, that looks cool as fuck! Um, and, and Colin got it for Christmas or a birthday, yeah. like, over a year ago. And I just remember at the time, like, hey, we need to play this at some point. It's like, yeah, okay, we need everyone to A, be sober, because that's the other thing. Yeah. They're big drinkers. You need to be sober at least to learn the rules to this. There's a you lot. Need, you need to be sober for at least the first two hours so that you're not completely blitzed by the end of it. <laughs> yes. If you don't start drinking until maybe three hours in, you might be alright. <laughs> um, but, I mean, the, I mean, we had the same problem with Battlestar. I remember we started a game of Battlestar, we were maybe an hour in and everyone was far too drunk to play. Yeah. Um, and we've still only played that once. <laughs> but yeah, like when they were like, hey, let's do a board gaming day, it was like, right. That's it, a day. One of us has, has completely stopped drinking, so that's good. You and I don't drink very much anyway, so that was really good. And yeah. I think everyone else is sort of more encouraged to sort of not do so much. 
So it was very nice, and they were like, what game should we play? I was like, right, we're planning ahead. Let us play Scythe, and let us all take this time this week to watch a video to learn how to play it. Yeah. And I watched about six videos learning how to play it. Um, so the basic setup, is, as easily as I can explain it, is you have four basic options on your turn, and you can't do the same option two turns in a row. Yep. Uh, your options will be... You'll have little options cards, and you can do like the one or both of the two actions on that card when you're on that turn. So one of them might be you can move, or you can build a mech. One of them might be you can collect resources, and you can upgrade a unit. Uh, you've got four of these cards, and they'll all be sort of mixed and matched around, so different people have different pairs of things they can do at the same time. Yeah, and they will cost different amounts. Yeah. But that's nicely balanced, and basically you have um, a faction which is sort of shuffled around, so there's one of five factions in the base game. There is also um, like one of five of the, the sort of your action um, cards. Yeah. So they can be sh shuffled. So there are many ways that the game can be completely yeah. different every There's time. There's a lot of it. variation in abilities that can change up the flow of the game. Yeah. Um, like, I had options where if I did the second option on one of my cards, I got loads of money for doing yeah. a thing, and it cost me, like, a medium amount to yeah. do so. Whereas other people were finding that they had... Um, like, it, it was costing them much less to do something initially, but they weren't getting any money out of it. Yeah. So, the the, the, the basic way the game is played is you're trying to get across this, this hexagonal uh, grid, and there are two things going on at once. There is the point scoring conditions and the win conditions. Mm. Um, if I feel like it makes sense to explain the point scoring ones first. Um, point scoring ones are basically occupy territory, um, gather resources... Um, what other things score your points? Um, if being, you... being popular? Um, um, ultimately, how popular you are will change a lot of how your scoring is it, changed. It's a modifier end. for the rest of your point yes, your scores, isn't it? because there's three tiers of scoring based on yes. how popular you are. Um, so it's things like that. It's basically about holding lots of territory and, you know, multiplying your score by being popular is yeah. sort of how you get points. Yeah, and then there's uh, one randomly selected modifier that is goes in at the beginning of the game. It's on a little card at one side oh. of the board. So in our case, it was how many um, like Special of a particular events. type of, of um, hexes ha have you built a uh, yeah. building near? Have, have you built buildings near to special event spaces? Yeah. Um, and then the other part of the game is... These other conditions that you have to you have to complete six objectives, and as soon as any player completes any six of the available objectives, the game stops and you count up the points. Mm -hmm. So you might get to five objectives and then deliberately hold off on doing your final objective, even if you can, because like you want to rack those points up. You don't want to you want to get as close as you can to finishing your objectives and mm. then do your final objective when you think you probably have control of the board. Yes. And it's there's so much going on that it's very, very difficult. As much as our friend Colin tried, it's very <laughs> difficult to get us an accurate sense of exactly what score everyone's on. Yes. Which I quite like that sort of, you might you know, go like, ah, I think I've got this and then be like, oh no, I was actually quite far behind. Yeah, I mean, the, the the thing that got me so far is because I'd been storing up money throughout you, the game. You'd been quietly stacking up big quantities of money and not being 
vocal about you it. You don't have to. It's one of the specific oh, yeah, things yeah. about the game is you don't have to. You have to show it in front of you. But you don't have to make it clear how much yeah. you have. So you could lump it in a pile that's sort I, of disorganised. I stacked mine. I had underestimated how much money was worth. Like, how how valuable money would be in the end game. Yes, because ultimately, every point you get at the end of the game, you're rewarded for all yeah. those conditions, is a is, is a coin you are getting. Yeah. I, the other thing for me is I, I was very like, oh no, it's okay that I don't have all the points... I'll have it. You know, I'm 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 waiting for that point when it's now will be the time that I'll deploy everything out into the right places to get the points, and I'll end it. And someone ended the game before I'd had my turn of, like, if my next turn had come around, I'd been like, okay, time to spread all my troops out so that they're worth points. Yeah, I, I sensed the end was coming. Between I, between you and Colin, I was like, one of you two is about to end this. Scatter, and I scattered all my troops, which gave me so close. I foolishly thought I had one extra turn to scatter, and oh. I did not. But mm-hmm. um, it's a really fun little game. It's um, brilliant. All of the board layout, like it's it's a bit daunting initially to look at and to set up, but once yes. you get a couple of turns in, it's like oh. Everything's just illustrated, and it explains on the cards what it does. And but the the cards have little divots in them, so you know where to put all your pieces, and they're shaped yeah. correctly. It's it's such a nicely made game. Yeah, it's. I had a lot of fun with that, and I'd be very up for playing again, particularly now that we know what we're doing and we could just mm. jump in. I'd be up for getting our own copy of that. Actually. Oh, so would I. I'd be very up for uh, for. for doing this again. Uh, I, th- I think we could convince Liam into a game, our, fr- our friend. Oh, yeah. yeah I he think likes, he... like, Warhammer, um, Total Warhammer, so yeah. I think he'd definitely... And I'm pretty sure that. you can play with three people, so I think it might you be worth... You can play with one, so... Yeah, I think it might be worth us getting just so that we've got it here next time that our yeah. friend that likes strategy games comes. Yeah, that'd be an awesome day. I think he'd be really into that. Yeah! I'm, yeah, I'm definitely up for that. <laughs> Let's get a coffee aside and invite Liam over. Nice. Uh, oh. What other games have we played this week? We played some Munchkin with some expansion oh, yeah. packs. Yeah, so this is the first time I've played Normal not, not t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Munchkin. Yes. It is largely the same game. Yeah, I mean, you you can swap pieces over from any version of the game. Yeah. And, and play it all together. So uh, we played it. What expansions did we play? Uh, we played... Munchkin with, I believe it's Munchkin 2 and whatever the new Steeds expansion is yeah. called. Um, so yeah, do you want to tell us about your Steeds? Uh, I had a, I had a raptor that was too foolish, uh, too, it was just too foolish to run away from battle and could breathe fire. It was amazing. It was adorable. I loved my Steed. Yeah, and uh, you can get bridles for your Steeds. Yeah. Um, basically, Munchkin is, uh, it's from Steve Jackson. It's, it's a dungeon crawler. We, we've tried to explain it before, it's basically... You, it, it's sort of almost like a deck builder, except that like anything that's not in your hand is out on the field, like equipped to your character, I guess. S- sort of. I'd say it's more of a dungeon crawler, yeah. like a, a roguelike dungeon crawler. You're, you're building up equipment and items for your hero so that they can take on enemies when they're turned over from the deck, mm-hmm. and trying to get up, level yourself up to level ten to yes. to win. Um, I, I I had a very sneaky move during that game of Munchkin <laughs> we played. Um, so one of the classes in the base, I think in the base version of Munchkin yeah, or Munchkin elves. 2, is elves. And if you help someone to, to beat a monster, you go up a level. Mm-hmm. And I had an elf in my hand and I hadn't played it yet. And I, I was like, I want to sneak myself a level here. So a couple of times before I played this elf, I would just ask people, be like, oh, do you want my help with fighting this monster? I won't take any treasure, it's fine. 
Um, so that people were sort of like, ah, it's Used fine. Used to that. Yeah. So and people... knew you weren't an elf at that yeah. point. Yeah. And then I quietly put down the elf, and uh, the next person whose turn came around, I was like, oh, do you want to help? I, I, yeah, I don't want any treasure for it. Ha ha, I level up. <laughs> and then the game ended with me going, I'm on nine points, you're on nine points, everybody's <laughs> out to get me for the second round. Yeah. Because I had one really harsh round where everyone just dropped crap on me. Yeah. I was like, don't forget, there are two other people on nine. Maybe don't go over the top trying well, to kill me. I, kill me, by all means, but don't go over the top. I feel I feel bad in that, like, the strategy I, <laughs> I, I joint one with you with was use all of my things to make sure you couldn't, like, beat this monster by yourself and then volunteer to go, I'll help you, but, you know, we, we'll both win if I do. I was happy to have a couple's victory there. I know, I, I think we worked that out well. <laughs> Yeah, so that's yeah that that that's good. I enjoyed the steeds. I love the artwork on those. Yeah. They're so silly. Munchkin is really fun. I quite enjoyed the base one as well as the TMNT one. They're both very fun games. I had quite a lot of fun, sort of designing uh, or like thinking of the backstory for my character. Just looking <laughs> yeah. at looking at the equipment I had out. Like I had a, a, a monk with a rat on a stick and what looked like a knight's um, helmet. <laughs> I like to imagine they just had a head in there. I think it was the mace of something. Um, mm. And I like to imagine that they still had the head and that that was on a stick. <laughs> so they were just dual-wielding, like, a rat on a stick, a head on a stick, wearing leather armour. I like the idea. And the, the the picture for the leather armour is basically, like, a dominatrix outfit. I'm like, yeah, I love the idea of my my, my dominatrix monk. <laughs> just stomping around with, like, dual-wielding random quite, things. It was quite the sight. It was fun. But Lots yeah. of fun. And it's very silly. And, um, yeah... I, I I do like a bit of Munchkin, and yeah. it's it's an easy one that like you can explain really really quickly. Yeah, especially base Munchkin. Turtles Munchkin is a little bit more. There's a little bit more to it because you've got the stances and catters and things and understanding that. But basically, it's all in there. Yeah. Yes. I also want to know about the um. They they've also got the Cthulhu Munchkin, hmm. but they they they've never sort of spread it in. Although you can. Um, spread it even with the main game, like, but there's more tentacles in that. And you know how I enjoy a good cephalopod oh, arm. A good cephalopod arm. Right. What else have we played this week? We played uh, Dominion. We played some Dominion while yeah. we were there with the Hinterlands expansion. So that's that's the the, the that's a deck builder. That's a deck builder. That's that's the one where you're trying to get your deck worth as many points as possible before the uh before either the top like point value card runs out or, or three th- yeah three other resources completely run out mm-hmm. uh that's a very fun simple one yeah it's a really nice game it's stupidly expensive but i love the way the box is laid out it's a really really clear it's a really easy to organize yeah um basically you have like a deck of of cards that you shuffle up um, you pick out ten cards from the deck, and then you find the stacks of those cards. I think there's like ten in each stack. Yeah. Um, then you have like uh, gold, silver, copper, and various sort of um, like properties. I suppose you have provinces, estates, duchies, um, gardens. All these things are worth victory points at the end. And it's a case of sort of balancing, getting a little engine going with your cards yeah. and. Knowing when to start buying property so yeah. that you can move towards the end. Yeah, it's the 
you you want to get in early enough that they're not all gone, but not so early that they're glutting your deck yes. and making it difficult for you to do anything. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. I like Dominion. I uh, that's another one I want to get, but. The problem is when you have board game friends nearby, it's a bit like, mm, let's not double up on games. <laughs> Particularly when they get expensive. Like, yes. is Dominion one of the ones that's expensive because they stopped printing it or something? I know, you can still get I think Dominion 2nd Edition is something like £45. Okay, that's not unreasonable for a game, but it feels like a lot for a deck builder. Yeah, I mean, like, when I already had Clank, and now, like, Clank with all the expansion packs and Clank in space, it... Yeah, feels a bit much. As much as I love Dominion, it feels a bit much to go. Yeah, let's get Dominion as well. And and Clank and all its versions feel more substantial because you've got boards, pieces. Like it, I feel like a game of Clank lasts much longer than a game of Dominion. I feel like there's a lot more going on and a lot more ability to strategize. Um, I think, or or it's just, I think the type of strategy you make. Is a bit different because yeah. it's it feels more like a collectible card game strategizing. Like I only want so many cards in my hand that do these types of things, and I want to be able to sort of t- churn through my deck, be able to get good card draw and good buying power. Yeah. Um, but then obviously you're very restricted with Dominion because at its base you have one action, one buy. Yeah. So until you get additional actions, you like can you it's... draw more cards? And if you can draw more cards, can you also perform an action? Yeah. I I think Clank lends itself more to um to creating engines um more easily. Or engines that there's less en- RNG involved in the engine. Yeah, I feel like with Dominion, once you've once a few people have got engines going, you very quickly hit the the end of that game. Mm. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I suppose that's fair. I that's that's the thing that I would say. Clank like is less. Oops, engine started happening. The game is over. Yeah, yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, what about you? What else have you played by by yourself? Because I think that's everything we've played as a pair. Uh, I I started playing Forager. That that game on that their humble store. That, that one you did on a live stream. I did a th- we did we did a three hour live stream with that. Yeah, heck. I went on for a while. Yeah, it did. Uh, I've not been into a game like on stream for that for for that long for a long time. Yeah, you run around an island, you collect resources, level up, do things. Yeah, it starts out like a crafting survival game, like a very light-hearted crafting survival game. Mm. Like as you're chopping down trees, like new ones are growing, so you don't have to worry too much about resources. You break up rocks, you break up uh, rocks that could clearly contain minerals, and you, you gather sort of copper, um, iron, and, and uh, iron, gold, coal. You're chopping down wood to get uh, re- for building resources. Eventually, you're slowly building up enough money that you can buy more land and expand out. Um, it's got a sort of random aspect, uh, or procedurally um, random hmm. aspect, where you will find new biomes slowly as you buy more land further out then you'll find uh, like dungeons there's a dungeon within each biome there's usually someone with a fetch quest somewhere get me uh, a, a particularly rare egg get me this thing get me that as you go further on you'll encounter different uh, creatures like one of the first things you encounter is slimes so you can do them to get new slime resources later on you'll get like chickens and cows bulls mm. 
Uh, magic deer. I accidentally killed both of my magic deer over a really oh, bad path. No. Um, the, the sentient beets, uh, are they beets or turnips? Uh, turnips, I think. They look like turnips, but I think they're called beets in the game. Or, and it might be radishes. Um, oh, yeah. But they're really supportive. I don't know what happens if you click, click, um, kill them. Because every time I've accidentally hit one, they've all started screaming, going, Oh no, this is the end! And I felt really, really bad. But if you just walk past them or chat to them normally, they're like, Hey, you're really awesome, you're the best, la la la! Yeah. And and I I I'm very happy to keep them around as long as possible. Um but yeah there was something maybe about 5 hours into the game I started to feel like the game was like a clicker with extra steps. Yeah, it started to play itself a bit. It wasn't so much that it was playing oh. itself, but it felt like it was there for its own sake. Yeah. Like it, it, Mm, it's really I can't really explain it, it is, properly. Is, is this around the point that you, you like you had lasers firing off you in all directions? No, and, no, 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 no. Way before okay, that. Okay, okay. Um, but that's when I really started to feel like it was absolutely a clicker with extra steps. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, like five hours in, I was like, mm, okay, so I've got all these things now. They're generating more stuff that I can eventually generate more cash with, which will get me more islands and I can explore around. And the puzzles and um, like sort of combat stuff in the dungeons were kind of cool, but like the combat itself felt really weak and in some ways almost unnecessary. At the very beginning of the game, like combat is a little bit difficult, but later on it's like, uh, what's the point of all this? It feels a bit... Mm. Like, it, it feels arbitrary. Just like, oh, yeah, 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 there's the thing over there, slash, done. And then I discovered droids. Like, I spotted automation sort of way near the top of the um, skill tree, which was a bit of a nightmare. Oh, the, the main problem I had early on was the fact that I had no space in my inventory. Oh, yeah, And nowhere to put anything. But... Once you've got a place to put things, it was really nicely organised how their storage system did work. Yeah, because it shows you what's in a vault once you've got a vault. And you don't need to get it out, stuff out the vault to use it in crafting. Yep. And anything automatically picked up goes to the vault. Yeah, the only time you need the vault re to go into the vaults really is if you want to take something out to sell it at market. Yeah. Um, There's a couple of problems with things like... um. We with putting items in certain menus like um, the the market and I think some of the uh, vaults or or some of like some some of the crafting places you can put all of your stuff half of your stuff or individual units and it really feels like it needs like increments of ten on there as well because there there are times when it's just like I just want to sell like forty of these at market and I've got. Maybe two and a half thousand. <laughs> but I don't want to click 40 times to get them out. And I don't want to sell the whole lot. And I usually ended up just selling the whole lot and hoping for the best. Um, but yeah, as I said, I got, I got to droids. And then all of a sudden I had these things flying around my head that were zapping things. I'd already picked up an item that zapped uh, undead and demons. So there was that firing off me. It was almost like Super Nash 1 power from Xenon 2. Like, okay. I had lasers coming off from everywhere. Combat meant absolutely nothing anymore. Um, the droids were able to clear out 
um, like my fishing traps for me automatically. All I had to do was walk past them and they were like, okay, we'll send all this to the vaults for you, don't worry. And it felt like the game was very much playing itself. I was just walking around. Uh, I upgraded my um, shovel and my pick, because obviously your pick is your your main item through. It's your main attacking weapon. Like At one point I unlocked the ability to make swords and I was like, why bother? I already have the perfect weapon. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not struggling for killing enemies. Why Why would I get a sword? Because I, swords seem cool. I unlock ballistas as well. It's like, I don't... Why, why do I need them? I, I, don't, I don't you want to be the powerful sword lesbian? I mean, I'm, I'm already spiritually the sword lesbian. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's discovered. It just happens to be a two-foot dildo. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I felt like... That's when I sort of ran out of time for the game. I was like, I think I'm done now. I've, I've done most of, like the uh, the towers, the fetch quests, and things. I'm pretty sure I know how I get some of the rare stuff, but it's just a waiting game. I'm able to wander around the map with my shovel out, just constantly just holding down the the uh, dig button, and it's shoveling out resources in ridiculous quantities. And my drones are just running around picking it all up. It's like, mm, I've made the game not fun by playing the game. And that's not good. <laughs> no, that's not good. No. The game has a roadmap, implying that despite the fact it's earlier out of early access, just like Anthem, they're planning to do well, more here's, stuff. Here's the thing. If you've got a game and you... It, 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 it seems like this feels like a fairly complete game. Like, you've gotten a complete game's worth out of it. Oh, I yes, don't see a I'm playing 19 hours I, I see no problem with them going, hey, we're out of early access because we have a full game. But also, I won't keep making stuff for it, so like, there'll be more of it later, but like, it's already a full game. Yeah, apparently there's a combat update coming, and then there's something after that they've mentioned, and then it's like, mystery stuff. I don't think they know what's coming after that. <laughs> but there's like extra steps on their roadmap. So it's not a very clear roadmap. It's about as clear as their skill tree. <laughs> This is what we're working on right now. This is what you can do once you've pulled that out. But after that, it's sort of a bit greyed out. Oh. Um, so yeah, that was Forager. What about you? You played anything else? Uh, the only other thing I've really been playing is more of that Pokemon Let's Go. Pokemon! Uh, I'm down to... Um, so I've got a trade organised for later today, Ooh. which will bring me down to six shinies <gasps> left to get out of 171. Meeting a dodgy guy behind the co-op, eh? Uh, something like that. The, <laughs> the, the digital equivalent. I see. Meeting someone in a, you know, a shady DM. Hey kid, want a shiny Lapras? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, I'm getting real, real fucking close. And close. Seven months yeah, of work. Seven months of work. Uh, by the time you hear this episode, I might even be done by then. Oh no. At, at this current pace, we'll see. We'll find what out. happens after that? I don't even know. Um, so I have a thing I want to keep doing with Let's Go. I want to get all of those shinies up to level 100 so I can beat the master trainers of those Pokemon with a shiny version of their Ugh. Pokemon. That's Here's the thing. That doesn't require me to leave the system in standby mode not playing other games, like, to not break chains. Yeah. So that, that can be a lot more jump in and out over time. Yeah. And I'm gonna. I'm ready for that to be the case. Where you I play other things on your Switch. Yeah, I'm ready to be able to be like I don't have. Yeah, recently with my Switch, it's had to be if I want to play a different game. Well, find that shiny first. Mm. Find that shiny, then you can play something else. Yeah. Um, 
which, considering I have to play other games on it for work, is like, uh, occasionally I've had to throw away shiny chains before finding the shiny, and that's frustrating, so, yeah, I know. But I'm nearing that finish line. Yeah. Uh, what about you? I played one other thing this week. I played Hamsterdam. Hamsterdam? Hamsterdam. <laughs> um, it's currently in beta. I think it's beta, or pre-release. Yeah. They're doing something with it. Um, it's available if you want to download it for iPhones or Androids, and basically you are a tiny hamster, and it's a fighting game. Yeah, a little kung fu hamster. A kung fu hamster called Pim, who's absolutely adorable, and you can dress him up in different outfits as you get more seeds, which is the currency of the game. Um, at the, like, I think stuff is due to change at the moment, like, there's no microtransactions in it. So I'd be interested to see what the game's like once it's finished, but right now I'm having a really good time for free. Uh, yeah. Um, and like, so initially I was just like, pound the screen, pound the screen. And then like, as you go on, you're taught that like, there's, um, like for doing it in a rhythm, when you get this little flash up around your character, you can do like perfect hits, which do more damage and build up your KO meter quicker. Eventually you unlock the KO meter, so you, as that fills up, you can just drag it onto an opponent and they'll do, like, a KO move. As enemies flash, you do a little slash across them and that will stop them hitting you. So you can, like, do... Like, clear a level with no damage. It's really... It's it's fun. It's nice the way the little vermin attack you. I've just got to the, the first boss of the first stage. I did a mini-boss. That was fine. It throws bombs at you. You have like three positions and you swipe left and right to move into those positions and avoid being hit. And then you hurl pedestrians back at them. So anytime a civilian is thrown at you, you just sort of hurl them back and they'll attack the boss for you. I've reached the main boss. It's basically the same thing, but um, you are hurling the uh, civilians at the thing. And then when you get three of them on, they'll sort of knock it down and you can start punching it in the face with your normal attack style. I got so close, but it killed me. Because it gets pretty manic. Those whole sections do get a bit like, well, this is a big difference in combat difficulty. Um, That would be my only argument so far. But I'm only up to the end of the first stage, so we'll see how that do. But yeah, it's really good. Um, Check it out. It's free right now, so give it a whirl. Huzzah! Mm. Is that everything we've played, then? I believe so. Well then, time for this. Are you a bigot struggling to maintain your offensive views? Yeah! Are you struggling in a world where evidence keeps proving you wrong more and more often? Yeah, don't worry, evidence. Try new Evidence Away Shades. What's that? They're the only sunglasses with a special filter to make sure you can't see any information which disproves your negative worldview. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Because in 2019, the evidence really isn't stacking up in your favour. Nah, 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 apparently I'm just an arsehole. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I have another sherry, sherry. Oh, good, oh goodness. Yes, yes. I, I, I'll get another sherry for sherry. This isn't working. No, this isn't no. working. Now that we've made our new friend sherry. Hi, sherry. Hello, dear. Uh, now that we've made our new friend sherry here, this whole ordering sherry's thing isn't going to work out, you know. Yes. I, I, I keep going to be like, another one, sherry. Sure. Another another sherry. And she thinks I'm talking to her, not, yes. you know. Getting that barman's attention. Indeed. So I, I think I think we're going to need to find a new drink of choice because 
Having a friend named Sherry and ordering Sherry's is just not working out. What about Brandy? Oh, no, I know a Brandy already. She's, oh, dear. She's, she's a lovely gal. I don't want to just walk mm. straight in the exact same mm. problem. What about the old Martini? Oh, no, I, well, I know a Tina, and she sometimes goes by Teeny Tina, and that's all a bit close to Martini. Mm, yes, yes. My, my Tina, Martini, it's, it's, all, yes, yes. it's all a little close for comfort. That's terrible. Um, and there was that champagne we met as well. Oh, yes, oh, no, that's going to stop us going over to the bubbly, isn't it? It's becoming awkward. We know too many people with, with names of alcohol in their names. It's almost like their parents, very much like us. And just looked around the room at whatever bottle they had. So I've 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 got a I've got a revolutionary suggestion. Yes, for this. Yes. Maybe we don't just scream the names of the alcohols we're drinking at the top of our lungs, at least when you know they're around. Right, right, right. So so when when she, when sherry's around, we say I'll order a sherry and then small sherry. And then I'll have a brandy and a and a champagne because they're not around. But when I order it, I'll just quietly order a sherry and then you know when sherry goes home, I can order a sherry. Yes, yes, yes. How's that sound? Yes, yes. It's, I think that's perfect, especially with our friend Sex on the Beach. <laughs> So, what have you watched? Oh, should I talk about the big thing I've watched? Tell me about the big thing that you watched. That I watched a day after we recorded last episode. So it was talked about on Podquisition, but not here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But then by the time that you hear it here, the film will be out, and I'll have seen it like two weeks earlier. But Oh, and and we'll have seen it again, because we're going to see it on Saturday. So you'll have seen it by the time that this goes out. But uh, Detective (laughs) Pikachu... Uh, Detective Pikachu is a real good film. Yay! Uh, I'm really shocked that this is the video game film that got it right. Um, I think that it really helps that this film is not trying to be based on, like, the most video gamey of Pokemon stories, which is Hero leaves home, goes, catches Pokemon, beats the Elite Four. Like, they're gonna make that movie there, right? Quite. It sounds like that's in the works, but, um, I honestly was really happy that they basically went with. They went with a plot that wasn't written because it made for good video game mechanics. They mm. went with a plot that works just because it's an interesting plot. Yeah. Um, I honestly think this is a better telling of this story than the 3DS game it's based on. Um, yeah, which is a rarity for a video game movie adaptation. Um, yeah. It The pacing of having to stop to solve the puzzles in the 3DS game slows down what is a tight, concise, interesting narrative. Um... I don't want to go into details because the film's not even out when I talk about this and Jane hasn't seen it, but the endings of the game and the film differ, and I prefer the ending of the movie. I am glad that they didn't end it the way the game ends. I've heard the game isn't actually all that. Like, it has its fans, but... I... Here's the thing. I enjoyed the Detective Pikachu 3DS game primarily because it was an interesting idea and Pikachu's performances in it were like... They they were enough to soldier me through a detective puzzle game that is way too aimed at children to be mentally taxing for an adult. Right. Most of the puzzle stuff, for an adult playing, it feels like things slowing you down from what is an interesting plot that you are having to get through roadblocks to continue. Mm. And that is why I think this can, it succeeds, is it just, just does the gets story. It. Yeah. it just gets on with the story. Um... It's not a perfect film by any means. I think the overarching plot is pretty predictable, even if you've not like played the game. I think 
they very heavily signpost the big arc of the film, and you can sort of guess where it's going. Mm. Um, but they do a really good job of moment-to-moment surprises. Like, there's right. a lot of... There's a lot of moments that will be surprising, even if you know where the end result of this road trip is. Right. Um, I think that Ryan Reynolds' performance as Detective Pikachu really makes this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there were a lot of people who were like, ah, oh, Danny DeVito is Detective Pikachu, but after seeing this performance, I really... I don't think any actor other than Ryan Reynolds had this specific performance in, in them, and it's a it is the right performance this film needs. Mm. It really messes around with um, tiptoeing on adult humour that will go over kids' heads really well. There is a lot of... I do like it when kids' movies do that. Yeah, there is... There are jokes about things like drug use, which it, as an adult, you're like, ha, Pikachu talking about drugs. And all the kids, they, they sandwich it with a kid's joke like immediately afterwards so the kids don't wa- wonder why the adults, adults are, are laughing and they're not. Like, if, <laughs> They're like, here's a joke for the adults. Oh, there's a kid's joke. Don't worry about it, kids. It's fine. That's what they're laughing at. Uh-huh. They, they saw it coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it balances those two audiences' needs really well. Mm. Um... I sorry. I, I know I'm just like spouting words here. No, I'm glad. Um, I really like that the protagonist is a, a bit of a fish out of water. In the, I, I won't go into too much details. It's set in a, it's set in a city where Pokemon, you know, they're not used for battles. They're not kept in Pokeballs. The aim is to try and have a bit of a better balance of mutual respect and integration. Yeah, so. As someone from outside of that city, it's like, ah, we're, we're going into this with our protagonist as a bit of a outsider to the setup. We also um, do not live in a world of Pokemon. Yeah, and it like it breaks down, it breaks down some of the video gamey barriers of Pokemon only come out when needed for events, and mm. like it it takes away most of the video game elements and goes, these are Pokemon, they're here, they do magic stuff when they need to. Um, right. I. I will say, a little complaint, um, occasionally, and it's very rarely, there will be a scene where the green screen usage is really obvious in Ooh. quite an egregious way. 99% of... Okay, probably 95% of this film really works. They sell you on these Pokemon existing in a 3D space really well. Mm. There will be an occasional scene where it's like, okay, I can see that you're both sat in front of a green screen, okay, that's... F- and it's over quick and it never lasts. It's it's usually when a green screen big effects shot is sandwiched between two purely vi- video shots. Like right. the, the cuts can be quite obvious. It's like Okay. It's like, oh that suddenly looks a lot more real. That's video footage, I right, see. Right, right, um right. there's a there's a couple of those. Ultimately they didn't they I I wasn't bothered by them at all, because mm-hmm. The film overall is so snappy, heartfelt, well-paced that it was just a real good, enjoyable ride. Um, I don't think it matters if you don't really know Pokemon. I think you can still enjoy this. It does a much better job of than the animated films ever did of using Pokemon as like a a backdrop as opposed to the focus. Like this mm. isn't a film about going and catching Pokemon, it's Pokemon are the medium through which to tell a story about very human emotions yeah, and just like feelings. Cats in the world. Yeah, exactly. A, yeah. a film that has cats in it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's a film about cats. Exactly. Um, got a lot more heart and soul to it than I imagined. Hmm. The opening's quite sombre. Like, 
be prepared for the fact that before Detective Pikachu goes up, this is like a slow, serious, kind of sad start. Um, it's important, it sets a lot of the emotional tone, but it's like, it isn't jokes a minute from the start, mm. which caught me a little off guard. Yeah. I, and I'm I'm glad that they didn't feel the need to force jokes in where they weren't necessary. Mm. It's like, eh, we'll give we'll give the time to set up the emotional core of this film. Um, yeah. But yeah, I walked away from this film really happy. It it's not a big bar to get across, but I'm pretty confident it is the best and a best film based on a video game that there's been. Mm. So I I hope that you enjoy it when you see it as well. But... I hope so too. I had a real good time seeing that, oh. and I'm glad that critical consensus seems to be very similar to how I felt about it. Oh. Everyone seems to be very like, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's a damn good fun film. Well, I shall let everyone know next week. Yeah. What about you? What you been watching? Oh, we watched some things together. <gasps> we watched a lot of uh, Super Beer Bros. Let's Play of the Link to the Past Super Metroid crossover randomizer. Yeah, I can't remember if you've talked about this on here before. Uh, I've talked about playing Link to the Past randomizer. I don't know if you've yeah. talked about this video. So a quick summary. You played a thing where it's basically a Link to the Past, but all the items appear in random positions. Yeah. Uh, it is it is completable, but you have to really know where to find like items. You have to know the game pretty well. Yeah, you've got to know, like, where can I get to right now? What chests are hidden in places that I might not have thought yeah. of. Like, it's really cleverly done. There's, like, a hierarchy. They know where you can get what items you need to get. So, it's never uh, not completable. But you might not know enough to know where to go to complete it. Yeah. Um. So, you had a fun time. You played through that a couple of times, I think, didn't you? Uh, I think I played through it fully three times. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Um, and... There is a version of this. There is a, there is also a randomizer for Super Metroid, yep. where again it swaps around all the positions of things. Yep. And then there is a crossover one where you have to play both games and simultaneously. A, a couple of doorways will, instead of leading where they normally do, lead to the other game. Yeah, like the fortune teller in Link to the Past might lead you to Brinstar. Yeah, and. Items from A Link to the Past could show up in Super Metroid and vice versa. Yes, so you need to know both games really well. Yeah, yeah. And we've been watching, we're about, I think, like 19 episodes deep. Uh, so that's like probably about 10 hours deep into watching yeah, these, these these people, uh, Super Beard Bros. They know both games very well and they are trying their darndest they're not so, having a good time. I mean, they they are. But they're having a good time, but they they are. They're having a good bad time. They're they're having to bash their head against walls, being like, "What what glitches do we know to get around to get things early?" Yeah, like, like what what little tricks do we know? Like like it, fake jumps. You could, yeah. like, a lot of that seems to be mainly in Metroid. Like, what can I do? Like, there's there's some jump they keep fucking up, and I think it's like you do um, a like a into a morph ball and you sort of roll. Yeah, it's you can basically go faster than you normally could before you get the speed boots. Yes, um, and they've been using that a lot, but it's it's them just getting like I I don't know how to I'm gonna I'm gonna try using glitches because I don't know how, where else to look for things. Yeah, they're and like I think we they're they're constantly going. I think we've soft locked this. I think we're gonna have to go back. Yeah, and it 
it's all missing really simple things like the morph ball bomb uh, and the lamp, uh, the lantern. The yeah. lantern in the link to the past is causing them no end of troubles that they can't find this basic fire lighting thing. It's because it's like the most basic thing in the game. Yeah, that, like you need for so many simple yeah. things. Like you can have like you can have the master sword five minutes in, and it won't you do you no good if you don't have a lantern. Absolutely. Um, it's been a lot of fun watching them. Slowly lose their minds. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's so clever. Yeah, it's, it is a real masterclass in understanding those games without the signposting that the story gives you mm. and working out, like, how can I get around this world without any signposts? Yeah, because I know the, the Links to the Past randomizer requires a, like a 1.0 Japanese version of Link to the Past. Mm. And it will translate all the text really basically. So if there is something you need to know, it'll just go, go here, rather than sort of fluffing it up with a sort of character speak. Yeah. Um, and if the text is not really relevant to advancing the story, it will just be silliness. Yeah. It's, oh, it's fun. It is. It's really fun. So I would recommend that playthrough. It's a lot of fun to watch if you've got a lot of time because they're trying to complete two games at once. Yes, while with a lot really of dithering. Well, a lot of dithering and trying to like, oh, where do, where, where do we go? How do we do this? And while I sit there screaming at the screen, going, "Death Mountain!" There's so many chests on Death Mountain. There were so many chests on Death Mountain, <laughs> and there were like, and lots of those things were things they needed, and they were on Death yeah. Mountain. Uh, what else have you or we watched this week? I don't know. What have you watched? I, uh, and that's all of my watch. Oh, I've got a few other things. Mm. So I started watching a new Netflix original series that Ooh. I'm uh, I'm tempted to rewatch with you because I think you'd enjoy it a lot. This is bonding. Yeah, bonding. Because I said I wanted to watch this, I didn't uh, realise you'd already started. Uh, I I I have watched the first couple of episodes oh, to yeah. be like, how is this? Is this any good? Main. I'm going to be honest. I mainly jumped in because I wanted to be like, is this going to be kink shamey? Uh, like I wanted to look out for like like. I wanted to look out for signs of poor taste humour, mm. and so far I've seen none of that. It's been yes. it's been really good humour. So I'm like, I've stopped, and I'm like, I want to watch this. I want to watch this from the start with Jane. Yeah, I think we'd enjoy. I think you'd enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, so Bonding is a new Netflix original series where um, two friends from school who've you know sort of drifted apart for a while end up coming back into each other's lives because uh, one of them needs a job. And it's like, ah, t turns out your friend, she works as a dom. Um, and she's basically just looking for an assistant slash some hired muscle to help be around while she's got clients coming to make sure that no one's, you know, overstepping any boundaries. Which would be illegal in the UK. Indeed, indeed. Um, while she basically does a lot of spanking men around and peeing on them and whatnot. And it's... It's basically between this this woman who like she she's a student studying psychology and she's very much Ooh. of she's very much of the belief that like what she's doing dom wise is psychologically beneficial to the people she's working with. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So you, you see, it, it, she's very much of the opinion like that's that's the way that her studying of psychology and wanting to be a psychologist is basically manifested as I think the way I can do the most help is to just dom people. I've heard so um, many stories about like subs who have been helped by a, a really good dom. Yeah. Who has done that combination of, I am not just helping satisfy your kink needs, I am helping with like 
some in sometimes cases getting over trauma yeah. and and like um yeah. like just other problems yeah. of their past and, and the way they've dealt with themselves yeah. and the things they're ashamed mm. of. Yeah. And it's not everything always goes perfectly for her. I think no. a lot of there's a lot of uh in the, the first couple of episodes already a lot of there's a lot of setup that I can clearly see is gonna be things like ah, that's gonna come back to bite you in the in the arse and like you're gonna have to learn from that set of choices about how how you used your domly powers. Ooh. Um, so I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, you did a th- you probably shouldn't have done that, and that's that's why this consequence is happening. It it seems like that's being set up, and the friend who who's now working with her is um basically a nerdy gay guy who is trying to be a comedian but is too shy to do stand up in front of people. Oh, no, that fair. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like his arc is probably gonna be something along the lines of confidence. Get more confident being around situations that make you uncomfortable, such as suddenly you are part of the BDSM world and like you might have a man te- like begging you to call his penis tiny. Uh, you get used to that. And then have the confidence to be comedian. Seems mm. like that's probably his arc. I plus I I know a few people in comedy who would use that kind of story very much in them. That's uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. Bethany um, Black used to tell great stories about like when she used to um, sometimes perform at kink clubs. Yeah. So I like here's the thing. I've watched like two episodes and I didn't realize how short this season is. It's episodes are about fifteen twenty minutes. Oh, okay. And I think there's only seven episodes in the first season. So it, it looks like it's less than two hours long. Okay, that's manageable. Um, which is like, yeah, I could totally... It's good because I've yeah. got so many things on my queue. That's that's the kind of thing we could probably get through an episode or two over dinner. Yeah. Um, but it seems really sweet. Um, I've seen a couple of... The kind of kinks that if anything was going to get kink shamed, it would be that have popped up briefly and have not been the butt of jokes, which has that's been good. nice. It's like... It seems like it's a good-hearted show about person that wants to make the world a bit better by doming and person who didn't expect to be doming and is not ready for it but is probably going to get more confidence and be a better comedian because of it. Um, having some, some bonding and reconnecting as friends. Nice. I'm like... I'm very hyped for that. Yeah. I, I watched a couple of episodes and was like, this seems good. I think I think this should go to the top of me and Jane's like... Once one day at a time is is out the way, I think this needs to be the next thing. Mm. Woo! Like, uh, you watched anything else? No. Uh, what else have I watched? I watched an entire series of something on Netflix, uh, another Netflix original, and it's not terribly good. Okay. I don't know why I watched the whole season. Uh, Some cost fallacy? A little bit. <laughs> I, it was so close to being funny so often that I... Ooh. I I was like, mate, and then, there was a Please few there was a few times when it was, but it wasn't consistent. Okay. Um, so the show is called I Think You Should Leave, and it's a sketch comedy show. Um, and here's the problem: pretty much every sketch basically boiled down to, at its core, a person has misunderstood something, and they've realised they've misunderstood something. But they're afraid to admit they've misunderstood something, so they just power through and make the situation far more awkward and, you know, difficult as a, as a result. Ha ha! They powered through and didn't admit that they knew they were wrong. Hence, I think you should leave, I guess. Yeah, so, like, 
I'm trying to think of some good early examples of sketches that follow this formula. It's things like, um, a person has a good job interview and they go to leave and they push, th- uh, they pull the door when it's a push door and they're, they're, they're slightly embarrassed because the new boss has seen them go the wrong way and he's like, no, 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 I was in here yesterday and it, it pulls and he basically just pulls and pulls the door and it, it, it comically breaks and pulls apart and things don't work properly. He eventually wrenches the door open and confidently walks out like, I didn't admit I was wrong. Like, that seems to be the crux of most of the humour. And there are some sketches that work really well and I really enjoyed. There was one about about motorcyclists from space that had come down to Earth to see if Earth had motorcycles, and then they got very excited about things like cars being like, it's like two motorcycles with a house between. And then, and then they just got, they saw a lorry and they lost their minds. It was, that sounds awesome. And then it was just a bunch of bikers excitedly running around Earth, like looking at things and pointing, being like, look at that thing that's not a motorcycle, but we're very excited because we think it's a fancy motorcycle. Uh, they saw a pram with a baby in it, they lost their minds. Like, that was good. That was funny. Yeah. Uh, like, there are some isolated sketches in this that if they're on YouTube, I'd be like, that sketch is worth watching. That one's worth watching. That yeah. one's worth watching. Memeable. Yeah, there, there was an enjoyable one where they had to do an intervention for someone, and some, someone was like, oh, we'll do it around my house. And her entire house is just Garfield-themed to the extreme, and the whole point was they're trying to do this very serious situation while she keeps bringing up that she lives in the Garfield house. <laughs> like, there were some funny things, but as a whole, the show was... Person sinks their... T- like sinks their feet in and goes, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to admit that I did the wrong. We're going to make this situation awkward until I power through it. Hmm. And I'm like, that's... Maybe it's just that I don't find cringe humour or humour where like someone in an yeah. awkward situation is the punchline. I don't find that terribly funny. No, I know there are people for whom that is hilarious. Yeah. Like, ah, this situation's so awkward, I'm having a great time. I just feel anxious for this. Yeah, that's it. I just feel awkward because I'm like, oh god, what if I was in this situation? I, oh, I, no. oh god, swallow me. Yeah, so there was there was that that, uh, that I watched and oh. I persevered through a whole season of it somehow. Um, And that's about it, I think, for Watched This Week. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Laura, Laura, we've got a new sponsor. <gasps> Tell me about our new sponsor. This week's sponsor is Sponsor. Uh, this week's sponsor is Sponsor. Sponsor. Sp- sponsor. Sponsor. What is Sponsor? Sponsor. Tell me about Sponsor. Do you know sporks? Yeah. Do you know how it is as both a spoon and a fork? Yes, I'm aware of the concept. How you can oh. use it for, for sort of poking things yes. and also picking them up and yes, putting them in yes, your mouth. Yes, I see where we're going, I think. What if you could eat cereal and also cut down trees? Our new sponsor is Spoonsaw. Spoonsaw. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so do you, if you want to cut down trees, yeah. having just eaten yeah. your cereal? So, so frequently in my, you know, have I told you about my hobby of being a lumberjack? Uh, you have not told me about oh, your... Oh, I've been going out, like, very early in the morning, like, 5am to go be a lumberjack. Sorry that I'm springing this on you, but it just turns out that this sponsor is perfect for me because I like to have my cereal in the morning while I'm sawing down the trees. It doesn't have to be just morning. You can also use it for soup. <gasps> oh, goodness. I can saw down trees over dinner as well. Over dinner? Over lunch? 
over oh. an afternoon snack of yeah. soup. I could be having an afternoon snack of soup and also be sawing that 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 wooden slat in half that we need to fix the bed. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, we did fuck the bed. We we fucked the bed in half. Mm. A little bit. Not quite in half, but like yeah, we a little bit broken it. Do you need to fix the bed? But we'll fix it with the spoon saw. Spoon saw. So if you want fifteen percent off a device that you can use to eat soup and cut down trees. Head on over to spoonsaw.net.lol and you can get yourself your very own spoonsaw for just 25% off <gasps> with the code QNPS66. <laughs> Inside the boardroom of Electronic Active Softworks. Hi, 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 hi. Uh, how's, how's business doing today? Business is uh, a little concerning. Concerning. Yeah. So, you know, we rushed out that game with no publicity and, uh, yeah. Is this the live service one? Where the we, live you know, service. You know, we, yeah, you we, know. We sold the, I mean, they're yeah, all live service. You know, we, so, we sold, yeah. well, yeah, but the one where we sold the incomplete game and we, you know, promised we were going to make the game over the next God knows how many years. Yeah. So For no that, extra money. Yeah, I mean, perhaps that was a little bit rash, but, um... The devs have had some problems. They So we had this whole roadmap thing, and we told people we were going to add content to the game, and usually that's worked for us, right? We've said, you know, the game's released, and people go, it was released with fanfare, and we bought into all the fanfare, and, and the game was trash, and then like a year later, all those people who really heavily invested in it early on are going, oh, they fixed it, it's great now. That, that was our plan, but what's happened is not that. What What's happened? Um, well, it turns out that there were a lot of bugs, and apparently we have to fix some of those so that people can play the game. They, they're not just going to give us more money well, for some reason. Wait, they buy our games when they're broken messes. Yeah. Why do we have to fix them? They bought them when they were a broken mess. They they bought the broken mess. Exactly. Well, I, I don't really understand it. Um, I'm talking to the, the, the like, the... Worker people, the the ones, the other ones I flog, the developers oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're saying we have to get that fixed, which is delaying the roadmap and basically, I yeah, no one's playing the game, no one's buying the game still now. Like usually, we'd still see a few sales trickling in at this point and microtransaction stuff, but they're just uh, they're they're leaving. They don't seem to be wanting to Wait. put up with it. They're not sticking around the game that's broken that we sold them. No, and and this is highly unusual, because usually, you know, like, they'll put up with any old but shit. Like, here's, here's my question, here's yeah, my question. Yeah, yeah. If they're leaving, yeah. does that mean we don't have to do the rest of the roadmap, which means that we got their money, but we don't have to make the game for years? Yeah, but we, we don't have all of their money. They, yeah, they but, still have some money. Some of them aren't destitute yet. Yeah, but we got some of their money. Yeah, but that's And not, we don't have to finish the game. Yeah, but if we want to keep making money, we're going to need to make another game. That's long-term thinking. We don't do that here. We yeah, think but, about the we think about the, the the quarter we're in for share profits. Okay, for share profits for the quarter we're in. The game released last quarter, technically. So, we're oh, making nothing. God. Yeah. Oh, God. So, we have nothing right now. We, we're we either going to have to find some way to fix this game, 
or are we going to have to make another game? I mean, I don't so, follow. <laughs> so if we want money, apparently people won't buy the broken crap. People won't continue to pay but, for the broken crap but, that we've sold them already. I, I, but, but, what? I know, I know, it's all broken. It's all completely fucked. We're gonna have to, we need to go back to the drawing board. This just does not make sense. I don't understand. Okay, I'll, I'll get back downstairs and I'll talk to the guys. Apparently we were not fucking geniuses. No. What has gone in your ears? My ears? Uh, really not very much this week. No. Uh, the only other, the only new thing I've listened to, I think, this new week was, uh, <laughs> was I listened to a new episode of Erotic Book Club on Dropout, which is that college humour subscription service mm -hmm. that I have. Uh, fun fact, Erotic Book Club is also on College Humour's second YouTube channel just like a month later. Oh. So that that is one that is not like completely gated behind a paywall but um, nice. yeah so they the erotic book club i think i've mentioned this before a group of about four people usually a lot of women and people from uh, diverse backgrounds will be there a lot of racial and sexuality and gender diversity which is nice uh -huh. will basically sit and talk about a piece of erotica that they've all read as a group usually stuff that is available either free or cheaply online so uh -huh. that you can sort of read along and the one I, I I listened to this week that I quite enjoyed was um, Alfie the Horny Halfling. Okay. Um, the the short summary <laughs> of this <laughs> uh, is it was a graphic novel porn about um, a group of travelling halflings who'd ended up in a human camp for a while and... Basically, the, the halflings are, are banned from interacting with the humans, and unsurprisingly, two of them end up hooking up in secret. Um, it seems like it has a lot of really interesting themes going on around, like, a masculine-presented character basically mm, wanting help experimenting with letting go of control a bit, and it seems quite interesting in how it handles all that. Okay. Um... The art style's really fascinating. It's got some really fun humour to it. Um, there, is a, there is a point where a halfling is talking about why it's great to have sex with humans, and they describe the, the human they had sex with as having an ass as big as the moon. <laughs> as opposed to a halfling, perhaps that feels proportionate. Yeah, he has an ass like the moon. It was very amusingly paced in, but um, yeah, I, I won't go into too much detail. It was oddly sweet and well-written porn thing that like while it initially felt a little bit iffy with some of its um SJWE handling of things uh, it was started being written about 5 years ago over the runtime of it it gets a lot better and it starts addressing some of its own issues from earlier in the the comic because it was it was done as a web comic so it came out over a course of years right um, what do you mean by SJWE uh Early, early on, some use of language feels a bit iffy. Um, okay. Some, some female characters being referred to by terms that I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a it's bit. Not very woke. That's not very woke. And then later on, like characters calling them out on it, like, right, okay. and it feels like the author over the years was like, oops, oops. I realise I kind of fucked up. Let's have a character call that out. Nice. Um, so they only reviewed uh, up to the end of the fifth chapter of it because it's quite a lengthy thing, but uh -huh. um. It seemed very enjoyable, and I had a good time listening to them talk about this. This 
by the end of it, quite wholesome porn. Uh, it, I, I enjoy erotic book club in that I feel like it has the same sort of energy as I tried to have with, um, Pixel Square when that was a show. The sort of, we're going to talk about this as a thing that can be sexy, but we're also going to talk about, like, political themes and, Mm. like, the representation in it. Like, uh, for this one in particular, like, they have, um, a woman of colour on the podcast talking about the fact that the only woman of character, colour character in this porn, uh, is by far the least feminized of the women who appear in the comic and like talking about the fact like eh, it's not a deal breaker but like for her it was like it you could see that they had done the masculine woman because she's a woman of color thing hmm. um so like they will they will be critical of themes like that That's and they important. T- yeah they talk about like the the woke aspects of a porn while also going well that was quite hot <laughs> Okay, so it's important. Yeah, it's yeah. important to dissect these things and Indeed. pull them out. I've been enjoying the combination of that's a sexy thing versus yeah, let's discuss the implications of that sexy thing though. Uh-huh. Uh, what about you? What have you listened to? Uh, not a lot. I've listened to a, a couple more uh, Mammoth Weed Wizard Bastard albums. Yeah, uh, gonna have to break out my Welsh <laughs> Welsh again. I'm sorry for any Welsh people for my Welsh pronunciation. I realise I do the trees voice quite a lot. <laughs> she's not really supposed to be Welsh It's just based on Welsh um, So I listened to I profit do I pronounced this earlier And I got it right But now I'm trying to do it as a recording um, So it's uh, Deception of Fraud I believe it's According to Google Translate yeah. And the other album I listened to Was uh, Noach Acha Noach um, Which is uh, Naked and Unwise <laughs> that that sounds like my life story. <laughs> what happened? Well, it was naked and unwise. Uh, have you? Don't tell me you've never had a day that wasn't naked and unwise. Risk aware consensual kink. I think that's. <laughs> I think that's. Uh, I think that that will cover everything I have to say about naked and unwise. <laughs> uh, how how are those albums? It's good stoner metal. It's it's yeah. something. It's really good to have on in the background. I'm not yeah. sure I could dance to it very no, well. I, it's just nice to just sort of sit there and just go, this is good. You drone along there. Yeah, like, it's nice background music while I'm writing and Mm. I could totally, like, on a sunny day in a field, if this was playing in the distance, I'd be like, yeah, I'll just chill in a hammock and, and, like... Have have a drink, perhaps, while I just listen to this sort of quietly waft uh, past. I can have a drink and sway to it in a crowd, yeah. maybe, but I'm not sure I could... It's not one you could, like, really go, I intend to dance to this. No, no, but it's it's the kind of thing... You know that sort of mini little festival-y thing we went to in the sun near our friends last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the one like that that we went to, like, I could see something... Like, we're sat on the grass having yeah, a bit of a sway, yeah. chatting with friends while that happens to yeah, be happening. yeah. yeah. And occasionally they'll try and get us to do belly dancing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's it's more mammoth weed wizard bastard. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I've been yeah. I've been enjoying them. Yeah, they're doing well. What about you? Got any others? Yeah, that's it for me. I pulled out all my Welsh for that. <laughs> <laughs> right, so then time for this. Hello. Hello, welcome, welcome everyone. Hello, hello. Uh, welcome to the latest um, uh, brainstorming meeting we have here at Erotic Books Incorporated. Mm. Um, so, we need to come up with new sexy ideas for our erotic books. Uh, yes, yes. You know, after after making erotic books for these these, these 45 last years, 
it feels like we've done every sexy thing that you could possibly do. I know we've certainly written about every object that could be in every orifice, but Indeed. um yes. I, I just wondered if, if anyone in the room had any suggestions for good sexy ideas for our next book. Well, uh, we focus tested it a bit, and I know tentacles are very in at the moment. Ooh, they are, the yes. problem seems to be largely that a lot of the erotica written around the subject of tentacles tends to be uh, rather aggressive. Oh, yes, lots of tentacles sort of just taking what they want. Yes, so yes, yes. I was thinking something along the lines of a, uh, a t- an alien comes from space. Uh, they have some kind of universal translator, and they're able to negotiate with a a, a, a human that they find, uh, a sort of consensual and happy um, encounter, mm. uh, whereby they they are both mutually satisfied oh, and and very yeah. very uh, happy together, yeah. and ultimately very fulfilled. And and you know it also leaves open for sequels where you know they're settling down together and things like that and oh, just very happy and contented this is together. this is getting so sexy tell mm, me tell mm, me mm. does the tentacle alien help clean up afterwards oh absolutely yes. oh, mm, Lot, oh lots of extra arms you see oh you're really oh you're really getting me going here mm, um mm, mm. so so what else oh what else well, can we do? they'll they'll be sort of cuddling and hair stroking thereafter and maybe maybe you know they get to know each other and fall in love over a prolonged period of time before we get to any of the sex so that we really know that it's sex based on on love and attraction, perhaps. How about they've been communicating while the alien is is transporting themselves <gasps> to oh. to Earth, and it starts as a long distance relationship. There's a lot of of, of building of tension and romance and uh, and a longing for each other, and then sort of an initial slightly awkward date, oh. um, mm. where they 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 go out for dinner oh. and um, maybe there's some sort of miscommunication over uh, how to order dinner uh, for a, a tentacle alien what sort of things they can eat what sort of protein they need making sure that they're safe from any bacterium maybe initially um, they're all ready to sort of get into something a bit more physical uh, and the tentacle a creature comes down with a, like a cold uh, because they're not used to Earth's bacterium, uh, and then they just take care of each other for a little while, oh, and and oh. and they treat each other with, with sort of a lot of respect and stop, love and stop, care. Stop, and then we build up to that. Oh. I think we've got a book here, oh. and I'm going to have to get the janitor in before I can leave this meeting. I, I'm a little bit squishy. You have slid off your chair. Don't you? I have fallen out of the floor, squishy off my oh. chair. Um, so it's happened again. <laughs> Oh, good, not again. I'll get him up. Hang on. Huh. We, were t- we were talking about consent boundaries. Well, oh, 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 oh. excuse me. Um, just going to stand behind my mop bucket. <laughs> Nothing I like more than a consented boundary. <laughs> Did you know? Yeah, yeah. The internet is—it's all controlled by like one big group. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah. I know. I've been, I've been, I've been connecting them red strings together. I, I yeah. think I see. Yeah. Who's pulling all the strings and running, running a whole world? Yeah. yeah. It's all controlled. By Big Kitten, right? Oh yeah, no, that's that's. I'm glad you got there because that's 
Uh, that's the exact same conclusion I was getting to because because yeah. you know yeah. yeah what's what's what what is the most popular thing in the world that is yeah. universally liked and no one can disagree with being good. Not cats. Cat. cat it's videos. not only cats. It's cat videos. Yeah. Yeah. Videos of kittens doing cute stuff. Yeah. They 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 worked it out. They worked out how to be one force that no one can disagree with. Exactly. Like people being lulled into a false sense of security, and what happens? One day, big kitten swoops in and and just. Take you know, just takes everything. Takes everything. Yeah, exactly, big kitten. They're gonna they're gonna buy up a monopoly. They're gonna own everything. You yeah, know, like yeah. Disney or whatnot. Yeah. And you know, where yeah. Disney do it, we all go. Yeah. You gotta stop them. It's a monopoly. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. If kittens do it, can't argue with the kitten. No one. No one can stop those toe beans. Yeah. Are they? You're not gonna say, hey, you and yeah. your adorable face and your toe beans better yeah. stop having a monopoly. You go. Yeah. It's adorable that you amassed all that power. No one's gonna be like, stop it, you fairy little bastards. No, exactly. And then before we know it. We're all living under the thumb. Well, the toad being a big kitten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's 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 all right there. You just you've only got to look at the internet for a few minutes, and clearly, you know, all the signs are there. You know, like the the shape of the paw, shape of the paw, and, and like. The little eyes, they they get everywhere, don't they? Like and the ears, and like you know what? Even some of even some of the people wearing the ears. Yeah, but you know people what? Controlled through the ears. You know what? By big you know what? Yeah, their noses yeah. are triangles like that Illuminati. Yeah, but like worse than Illuminati. Yeah. Because they cause... soften the edges, it's a soft edge triangle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They don't, everyone, everyone they don't show you that they're harmful. Exactly, <laughs> they soften it so that it's easier to swallow. Or... And they retract their claws so they look, don't look harmful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beans, not 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 razors. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Have a bait one there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> it's catnip. Oh no, they got me too. Oh, shit. Story time. It's time for story. What's the story? This week's story. From Lucy, we have an organ rental service. Um, <laughs> oh, what kind of organs are we uh, renting? Well, <laughs> I suppose that is, is uh, entirely up to you. I, I can think of at least three interpretations of that term. Indeed, I'm I'm going jogging tonight. I I find myself not terribly healthy. You know what I could use to just get me started? If I could just you know just have like a better heart for the evening, maybe some lungs. Just gonna rent a heart and some lungs. Get the rest of the body up to scratch, and then you know mine can take over a bit because it'll be yeah. working less hard on my recently improved body. So I've 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 got a mini story here. Someone oh. someone needs to run to the church where they're going to do a musical recital, <laughs> and then that musical recital is going to go so well they're going to have a bunch of sex afterwards. Ooh. They need to rent an organ. <laughs> <laughs> do you need to rent an organ? Do you need to rent every type of organ? Do you need know to, what I mean? Do you need, <laughs> do you need to rent, uh, you know, chest organs, musical organs, and, you know, sex you organs. Know. The sex ones. The sex organs, yeah. So... <laughs> who what who who's the person that's going to do the organ recital? I I, I 
What's that? I feel like this is maybe it's a it's it's not a, a made up person. Maybe it's someone mm-hmm. like Mozart, who in their day probably would have been a rock star on the on the organ. Definitely. <laughs> this so, is this is how he got through his his gigs. Is you know borrow some lungs to get to the organ to you know. Fuck all of those classical music groupies. And there are a lot of them from what I hear about Mozart. All from what I hear. <laughs> yeah, so Mozart was like, um, uh, Mr. Mozart. Uh, so he's tearing around. Um, if, if the movie Amadeus is anything to, to go by, he's fucking his way around Vienna. I, I feel like he's, you know, he's, he's maybe he's booked two gigs like back to back and he's not yeah. quite got the time to get from yeah. from his 9 p- his 9 p.m. gig to his midnight gig. Yeah, so he he, he rents like a, a heart so that he can just chug through some lungs so he can get get the breathing going. He's running between his <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so worn out from all this exercise. And also, uh, my cock is on fire. <laughs> I have <laughs> I have fucked too many groupies on this day So I'll have to just take it off And swap it to another Hello organ rental This is the fifth cock you've got through this week Wolfie And, he's gonna... and they keep coming back with diseases <laughs> I imagine he's going to rent the uh, the musical organ as well Because obviously They're fucking big and heavy You couldn't really push one between venues Also he plays them like a rock star I imagine he smashes a few He has to get the insurance out on them <laughs> There you go This is this is our <laughs> modern day retelling of Wolfgang, Wolfgang, Wolfgang Amadeus, Theodolphus, the um, uh, Mozart. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, um, Arachnovolt suggests a sex shop that only sells fruit. Uh, okay, okay. Um, hello, hello, welcome to my sex shop. Hello, my name is Wolfgang Amadeus. <laughs> yeah, I realised I was doing. I would like to buy some fruit, please. <laughs> Well, well, well. I've got a variety of sex-based fruits for you. Uh, how would you, how would you fancy uh, this carrot? Ah, oh, yes, this is a good carrot. So you know, so I can practice my oral on the carrot. You know. Uh, what about a uh, cucumber? Yes, yes. Also, if I'm like dilating my throat for a slightly larger version. Yes, you know, we can maybe even step up to like an eggplant, perhaps. Oh, that one's going up my butt, definitely. <laughs> uh, and then, in terms of things that you can you can fuck if you wish, uh, we've got we've got all sorts of very soft things. Tomatoes. Oh yes, um, but uh, I find the pips getting uh, under my foot. Uh, what about a grapefruit? Uh, grapefruits, good, but a bit uh, zingy on the old balance there. Uh, what about just a pile of grapes? Uh, like, I suppose I could wrap them together in some kind of, like, um... I, I would just say you're a sock full of grapes. A sock full of grapes. I mean, this, we should call this perhaps the, the fleshlight <laughs> in future times. Do <laughs> uh, so you also perhaps have a watermelon that I could just drill a hole in and just... Uh, yes, of course. What, what, you don't even have to ask. I'm so glad that I've come to the, the sexiest fruit vendor in all of Vienna. <laughs> All these all stories of of Mozart being a sex. I don't know. Maybe after all of these things, he went to uh, Ascension McDonald's. (laughs) 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 Although I imagine Ascension McDonald's being a bit like Marvin the Paranoid Android. (laughs) Here I am, brain the size of a planet, and they ask me to sell large chips and a Big Mac. Life, don't talk to me about life. I can sell a happy meal, but I can't sell myself a happy meal. It won't make you happy, it's just cheap plastic tat that'll end up destroying the environment. 
Just like all the cows. Also, don't use the play area. It's probably full of vomit. Yes, and if you happen to be in certain stores, you'll find all the people in the lobby area will try and sell you drugs. Unless for more than they're worth. Well, I was going to say unless that's your thing, but not more than they're worth. Yes, far more than they're worth. Also, if you see an unintended package, probably don't touch it. It could be local people trying to trade cash. Ooh. Uh, what's next on the story list? Caladry <laughs> uh, suggests a, uh, a, uh, a normally mundane food that suddenly starts making everyone really high. Oh. Oh, it's a really mundane food. Bread. <laughs> uh, bread is a good mundane food. My first thought, and this is only really relevant That's the most to this bland food. I was going to say the only, the only this is only relevant for this week. But I was thinking about uh, Burger King's pissed meal. <laughs> That'd be a fun thing to get you high. So like, oh, I was expecting to get pissed, but I was really angry at my food. So Burger King suggested a pissed meal, but now I seem to have been. <laughs> oh, but tie it into the sentient McDonald's. It's a happy meal. It's a really happy meal. <laughs> it's not, you know, you might think it's happy, but ultimately you're just getting away from the misery of your life for a few hours. <laughs> I want to give you a hug. Oh, give this, me a hug. This happy meal's the fucking... <laughs> Hey, 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 this hey. Happy Meal's the fucking best. I love you. I love you too. I love you too. Oh, oh, oh. I love this Happy Meal too. <laughs> Bread. Bread. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would like the ability to get high by eating a sandwich. I mean, it depends what you put in the sandwich. I, I suppose you could sprinkle something in the sandwich, but... I mean, I have done in the past. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> just a nice casual way to be like, oh, well, I'm up to nothing here, just eating my sandwich and slightly grimacing from the bitter taste. Slightly earthy taste yeah. of, of, of... yeah Of my sandwich. Yeah, sandwich <laughs> with... Uh, was it cheese and corned beef? <laughs> I had four of them and then I went to see the Silent Hill movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, quite an experience. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it was, it was giving you some idea how long ago it was that I used to do such things. Yes. <laughs> long time ago. Indeed. And definitely. Leave, definitely leave. not since. No, I mean, where the fuck? We... No, I'm not, I'm not inquiring about where the fuck one does that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just not a thing you get much of anymore. No. Uh, Oh well, so yeah, that was story time. Thank you very Yay. much to Keladry and Arachnovolt and Lucy very much for your <gasps> contributions. So then, <gasps> time for this. Do you want to know what I want to see more? <laughs> what do you want to see more? Brochure Justice Warrior. <laughs> Hello, Larry. Hello, Larry. Let's try that again. Oh, I got it. You're alright, okay. Yeah. Uh, how you doing, mate? I'm alright, how are you? Oh, I'm not too bad, you sound rather giddy on this evening. Yeah, yeah, I was having a, having a good giggle. Yeah, yeah. Can't remember what happened now, you know. Nah. So, something that definitely didn't happen in this continuity. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, how's your week been? Oh, 
Yeah. Little world, mate. Little oh. world. Is it just the general state of the world or something particular the world has done to you? It this feels way? like the transphobic bigotry has managed to get its fingers into every facet of everything. And yeah. there's been talk about sports for a while and, yeah. and, and, and you know, trans people competing in sports. But uh, recently, and, and is often the case that brings these things into, into sharp relief. The uh, there's there's been this issue of this uh, athlete, yeah, Costa Semenya. That's the one, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, she's been um, she's been by the highest uh, court in uh, in international sports. They've said that uh, that she's not allowed to compete unless she takes uh, testosterone repressing hormones. Yeah, and I think it's important to mention at the top of this story because there's been some misreporting around this. Yeah, as far as we are aware, she's not intersex. Uh, she is definitely not trans. She is, as, as far as we are aware, she is a cis woman who yeah. was, you know, she was assigned female at birth. Yeah. And is, you know, competing in women's sport. And she just yeah. happens to have, you know, a higher than average, you know, testosterone production. And this, you know, is a thing that can happen. Um, yeah. I had a friend in my uh, teen years who had uh, polycystic ovaries and that caused yeah, them yeah. to have a... Uh, an imbalance where they had a bit more testosterone than most cis women, and you know yeah. that, that will sometimes have our effects. Like yeah. she had uh, some some body hair stuff she had to deal with. Yeah, my first wife was the same. You know, a uh, lot of body hair uh, things yeah. there, um, and uh, quite a lot of uh, physical strength that seemed to come from that. Yeah, and here's the thing: is you know that she she the both of these women that we've talked about here and uh, Castor Semenya as well are yeah. you know they are cis women who happen to be on a spectrum of what a woman a cis woman can be and you know for the longest time you know feminism really stood stood up to protect women like that to go yeah. you know you you are just as much of a woman as anyone else but um yeah. I think that definitely in part because of transphobia and the recent pushes to try and keep trans women you know not you know, recognised as women. Yeah. We've seen more and more steps taken to police what a cis woman can be. Yeah. Because um, like, that is at the core of this, is is telling a cis woman, you are not woman enough unless you, you know, take hormone replacement medication. and Well, hormone suppression. Well, probably. hormone suppressant, yeah. And, you know, as someone, you know, who's, I've, I've known people in my life who've, you know, trans people who've had hormones changed, you know. Yeah, trans to, women who take anti-androgens, I imagine yeah. it's probably the same sort of thing exactly. they're talking about. Exactly, and, you know, that, that, you know, for trans women, that's, that's the case of like, oh, this is this is great, I'm getting more into the, you know, hormone range I want to be. But that's got to be a nightmare for, you know, forcing a cis person to, to have to have their hormones changed is, yeah. you know, got to be very similar to when trans people are denied changing their hormones. Or even when they used to perform chemical castrations through, oh, through yeah, use yeah. of uh, hormones. I think uh, something... I'm not sure it's exactly the same sort of thing, but uh, what they did to Alan Turing. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the fact that they're messing with someone's hormones largely against the world. I suppose at this point it is a case of whether she wishes to continue competing, <sighs> but I would... <sighs> Yeah, I, if, I mean, if it was me, I think on a like an entire moral standpoint, I would just go, no, I'm not going to perform. Well, see, the problem, the problem there is, is that it's easy to say that it's you know, it, it's not being forced; it's a choice. But when you're when your whole life has been like yeah, you yeah, working yeah. to be a, a gold medal professional athlete, yeah, it's it, you know, it's not as easy necessarily as just saying just say fuck you to them and don't c- compete anymore, you know. You might be in a position where you feel like 
you know, this is all I've got. This is this is what I've built my life towards. That's a lot to give away. Yeah, and then and to dangle, you know, someone's entire life work and say you've got to change the yeah. you know the biology of who you are. That's a real horrible situation. Absolutely, it's in. absolutely disgusting. The whole yeah. thing. And then you have like they were talking about that. Who's who's that swimmer? Oh the, yeah, the uh, ma- white male uh, swimmer. Uh, Phelps. Phelps. Yeah, Michael yeah. Phelps. Um, they're saying like he doesn't produce uh, like fifty percent less lactic acid. Yeah, which is one that causes fatigue in in, in yeah. people. And like, he's got uh, oversized lungs as well, so he yeah. can he can you know get a lot more air in per breath. He can. Uh, you know, he can keep going for longer without being slowed down. Yeah. And, you know, he's not told you, you know, you're not allowed to compete because you're outside of the norm. You're not on a level playing field yeah. with the other... Yeah, no, he's, he's an exceptional human being, and that is really what, like, professional yeah. and gold medal sports is is all yeah. about. And, per exceptional human beings. And it seems like very often in if it is white men who wow. are in these situations. They are lauded as, as wonderful and exceptional, yeah. but as soon as it happens to be uh, usually a, a, a woman of colour. Yeah, uh, this, this is something I was going to hit on, is I think a lot of this as well is to do with, and there's a, there's a lot of great articles around there at the moment by, by people of colour and women of colour yeah. talking about this, that a big part of it is women of colour get denied their femininity and their right to be female. Yeah on a really frequent basis and this is just a really stark example of it like uh you know i was i was hearing about this uh, this this graphic novel the other day that it's one woman of color character was you know coded a bit more masculine than all the other women for example yeah there has historically been a whole issue of uh the idea idea of femininity in the west has been perceived as a very specific type of white woman and and it's, I it's, think it's this othering of of women of color to, yeah. to you know to be like no 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 you don't get to be part of you know femininity femininity you get to be uh, femininity of color you get to be, you get to be in this other this other category. There was a lot of discussion around the time that Black Panther was released about um, that black is beautiful and it, black women don't have to conform to Western beauty standards no. to be considered beautiful because they are yeah. in their own right. Just because that's not what you've been fed by the media constantly throughout yeah. your whole life doesn't mean to say that these people aren't beautiful. Yeah, but I think this is part of it. Is You've got the combination of woman of colour that has higher than average testosterone. That's an easy That's an easy target to say, well, you're not a woman. It's definitely, you know, you're less womanly. Paired with the current cultural climate of trying to narrow what womanhood can be at the expense of cis women in order to try and gatekeep trans women out. Yeah. It's a perfect storm that's really just, well, it's really hit this woman in, like, she is at the centre of two very big issues that have not being dealt with and have sort of collided. Yeah, yeah. And, and people talk about how gender is a spectrum, and it is, but it's le- what is less commonly brought up is that sex is also a spectrum. Yeah. And, and like, there's so much, without going into genetics even, like, there is so much variety of what a human being can be yeah. in their hormone levels, in their chromosomes, in, in their second primary and secondary sexual characteristics, in their what their yeah. genitals oh, are made up you know, of. We we don't tell uh, basketball players who are six foot four, no, you're too tall. It's not fair to the average sized person that you are taller than them. Exactly. Stop playing sport or get shorter. Exactly. What what are you gonna do? They're gonna have to have chunks of their their shins taken out. Exactly. Years of painful surgery to get it, them into a state yeah. where they're considered 
quote unquote normal in, so they can compete yeah. in, in a sport. It's absolutely ridiculous. It, it feels ridiculous in any kind of sporting thing to take someone who is naturally very good and go, No, we're gonna we're gonna pull you back. We're gonna make you lesser. And you know Especially it, when they're only doing it to some people. It, yeah, and it's it's usually to women, it's usually to women of colour. Yeah. It's 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 a horrible situation and uh, it, it all feels like it's part of the the current cultural situation where the last couple of decades of uh, feminism and womanhood can be anything that it, that you want it to be is being rolled back piece by piece and we are slowly going back to where we were before the big yeah. you know feminist explosion yeah. where... and weirdly it seems to be coming in in some cases from people who are self-described feminists but this is it is uh, they they're, they're feminists who are within the bracket they're creating, where they're like, no, womanhood is what I am. Everything outside of that, no. And it's real miserable. It's really disgusting. Um, uh, I don't know what we can do about it, but certainly if, if uh, there there are actions that we can take and uh, anything we can do, I would very much support that. I think all, make, I think all we can do is keep making noise about it and keep saying, look, open your eyes, people. Trying to, trying to limit what womanhood can be. You know, it might start with people that you might not need think need protecting, but it's it's more and more it, it's affecting more and more women. Yeah, that they are being told you're not woman enough anymore. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <sighs> Should we have that? Up, Let's have that. I could do. Yeah. Oh. Oh, oh, I need this always, mate. Always, very much appreciate it. You know, just. Just, just a nice relax. Just, yeah. a, just a, a nice time of just no expectations and enjoying the presence of another human being who, who you love, love and respect very much. Yeah. Oh, right, that's a good one, mate. Yeah, should we have a cup of tea? Yeah, I'll put the kettle on. Laura! Yes! Welcome to Fudge on the Internet, darling. Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Pretty much mm-hmm. everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, Twitter, keep an eye on there because around now I'll probably have finished collecting all my shiny Pokemon. And then you should go over to kotaku.co.uk where I will probably have written about getting all the shiny Pokemon because that's play. where I am during my day, my day job. Mm. Other than that, I've got a couple of books. Things I learned from Mario's butt. It's a book. It's an illustrated coffee table book of of video game character butt images and comedic slash informative reviews and Uncomfortable Labels, which is my memoir. And that comes out on July 18th and will be sold at Trans Pride in Brighton. (laughs) Don't know how many copies they'll have. So if you want to get a copy there, you might want to be early. And if you want to get one signed, I will be there. What about you? Where can I be found? I am Maniac Janiac on Twitter and YouTube. I'm Janiac on Twitch, where I will be recording later on tonight. Not when this goes out. I do it on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I do it after recording on a Tuesday <laughs> for this, and I do it around 1945 hours UK time on a Thursday. I'm also on SoundCloud.com as Jane Eris Magnet, where you might be listening to this now. I can also be found on Curiosity Epidemic. If you just search Curiosity Epidemic, you'll find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. And we're Curious Curious Epidemic on uh, Twitter. You can find Badly Designated Heroes, which I mean, they play Trees the Furbolg. And and we're fighting a town full of 
rats of various types. Yeah. Oh, how foolish I was in that first episode, thinking, we're level three, we're never going to spend the whole time fighting rats. Thus far we have spent <laughs> about 16 episodes fighting rats of various types. There are more than one type of rats, I don't know if you knew that in D&D. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, is that everything? I think it's everything. Patreon.com slash Radio. You could be the very first person to Patreon me. <gasps> Today was the last day for people to, to get Patreons yeah. to avoid the new charges. Uh, also, paypal.me slash Magnet. Mm. If you want to send me some pennies, I do a massive appreciate. It helps pay for all the hosting for all the things I do. StoneMonkeyRadio.blog. I write about stuff. When I have games to review, I might write a review for Forager. It probably won't be very good. <laughs> no. But it, it might be quite snarky. And people seem to like it when I snark I, about games. I, I, you, you've got a good amount of enjoyment. I've got 19 hours of game out of it. It's going to go, I enjoyed this. It was a bit basic. I enjoyed this for for very simple repetitive motion <laughs> reasons. I stopped enjoying this because it became a self-playing clicker. That's fair. Uh, right, so I think all that's left to be said is... Sing us out, darling. Until next time, be a stranger.